You are now listening to the Hack My Age podcast, the show that brings you guests for biohacking women over 50. I'm your host, Zora Benamou, a gerontologist, digital nomad, certified sports nutrition, and breathing coach. I'm the author of the Longevity Master Plan, the cookbook, Eating for Longevity, and a new upcoming energy reboot program for women over 50. Now, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, and I would really appreciate it if you could please leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find us too. This is a really small but very critical gesture that makes a huge impact for me to support a podcast for older women, help us grow stronger, get our voice out there, and attract even more amazing guests to the show for you and for me. We are back with Dr. Jack Wolfson for part two of how women in midlife can prevent a heart attack with natural solutions. And I hope you listened to part one, but if you haven't, the link to that recording is in the show notes, and I highly encourage you to listen to that first. Dr. Jack Wolfson is a board-certified cardiologist who uses nutrition, lifestyle, and supplements to prevent and treat heart disease instead of medication and surgery. He originally spent 10 years as a hospital-based cardiologist performing angiograms and pacemakers and other cardiac procedures, but he decided to find a different approach to treating and preventing heart disease. He completed a four-year medical degree, three-year internal medicine residency, and three-year cardiology fellowship. He served as the chief fellow of his cardiology program, managing all of the other cardiology trainees. In an Arizona cardiology group, he was the chairman of medicine, director of cardiology, and director of cardiac rehabilitation. In 2012, Dr. Wolfson struck out on his own and founded the Natural Heart Doctor to offer patients a holistic approach to heart care. And you may have seen Dr. Wolfson on U.S. television and news programs, or maybe at one of his live events, or heard him on other podcasts or online interviews. He's really best at teaching medical doctors and practitioners from all corners of the world. Dr. Wolfson was also recognized as one of the top 50 holistic medical practitioners by the Dr. Axe website, alongside my other favorite practitioners like Dr. Mark Hyman and Dr. Sarah Gottfried. Dr. Wolfson wrote an Amazon bestselling book called The Paleocardiologist, The Natural Way to Heart Health, and continues to write as a contributing author to the textbook of integrative cardiology. So you see, this guy is very qualified to be speaking about heart health, and it's an honor to have Dr. Wolfson on the show today to share his opinions on heart health for women in midlife. So without further ado, let's meet Dr. Jack Wolfson. Welcome. Thank you so much, Zora. Pleasure to speak with you again. And I appreciate the commentary about being, I guess, amongst these esteemed colleagues. I don't always see, you know, see eye to eye with a lot of those people, especially when it comes to natural immunity. But, uh, you know, certainly I think uh, we're all trying to get the message of health and wellness out there in the face of a lot of, you know, uh, pharmaceutical control. And uh, yeah, I'm here to break, uh, break a lot of those uh, barriers and wake people up. You certainly are. And, and in our first interview, you, you, you cleared a lot of confusion. And I think that was really important. We covered heart disease risk in men and women. We covered how many women, how many women may show just sort of other symptoms of heart attack and then men. And we talked about how women can best prevent heart disease and, and the confusion we have when we see one thing on social media, like with statins and then what we're hearing from our general doctors too. So 
hopefully, if you're listening now, you've heard that podcast first, that part one, please go back to it if you haven't. But now I want to focus a little more on menopause and heart attack risk. And it, it just seems that so many women entering this peri and postmenopausal time, they have you know, cholesterol levels that just skyrocket through the roof. And, and, and I don't know if you, if it's hormones that are playing a role in our heart attack risk and, and what's happening with the cholesterol, all of a sudden we were fine before, and now it's just gone crazy. What, what are your thoughts on that? Everything is, is caused from man-made poisonous uh, lifestyle, if you will. So as we talked about before, the violations of eat well, live well, think well, I don't believe that menopause is a disease state. Uh, I believe it is a unhealthy condition in a modern world. I don't believe that in our ancestral days that it was a problem. So when people are eating the right foods, avoiding the wrong foods, when they're getting the sleep and the sunshine and the physical activity, avoiding the chemicals, mold mycotoxins is such a massive, massive thing that uh, we need to be aware of and also just healthy thoughts. So I think menopause should be kind of like a a ritual. It should be a, a, a rite of passage, maybe that's a better way to describe it, and, and not looked at as, as some disease state. And I think, again, if we do the things we're supposed to do, menopause uh, should, be, uh, should be easy, and it should be something that is not troublesome or problematic and therefore increase the risk of disease. Do you think our hormones, just the loss of estrogen, progesterone, are, and testosterone, are, are causing some of the issues that we're seeing in risk of heart attacks or heart disease in women? Why is it suddenly skyrockets? Yeah, I, I think that's definitely part of it. So there is those, that highly protective nature of being a menstruating woman, because nature would, of course, favor the menstruating woman who is therefore to, you know, procreate and make more babies. So any animal species, including human, could therefore propagate. And have you know uh, progeny to you know to to move forward in this world. That's how it's been since the dawn of human existence, whether that was six thousand years ago or you know six million years ago. So with that you know in in mind, yes, those hormonal changes are definitely a problem. The question is, what's the solution to it? Is the solution some combination of bioidentical hormone replacement, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and others? Or is the ultimate solution to build in that foundation through the right foods, avoiding the wrong foods, again, the lifestyle, the thought processes, uh, using the most advanced testing in the world to try and find more causation. So again, what if you're, you know, you go through uh, menopause and you're now you're more magnesium deficient, for example, and magnesium is responsible for hundreds of different enzymatic functions in the body. So what if we could replace magnesium and therefore improve our hormonal status. And the evidence of that is in the literature. I, I think whenever we reach for prescriptions, whether they're bioidentical or pharmaceutical, you know, based, I think it's it's going to be the wrong answer. So ultimately, I guess what I'd say, Zora, is that, you know, eat well, live well, think well, test, don't guess, evidence-based supplements, biohacking strategies, and then there is room for hormone replacement. But when you look at native cultures around the world, and you look at the work of Weston A. Price, you know, who was a dentist in the 1920s, traveling all around the world with his wife by boat, looking at native populations, they saw a lot of healthy old people. I've talked to, um, you know, people who have gone on missions in the South Pacific, and they wind up in these, you know, remote paleo villages where people are living like their ancestors did, you know, over thousands of years. And there's plenty of 
old, you know, gray people, you know, like me there and postmenopausal women there, that old wise woman of the tribe. And the old wide, wise woman of the tribe, she wasn't having heart attacks. She didn't feel like shit. She felt amazing. And she was a cherished, honored woman in that tribe. And I think we need to get that back as opposed to, well, what's the perfect balance of, you know, estrogen, oh, well, you know, and testosterone and, and you know, massaging in the thyroid. I mean, listen, let me say this one more thing, too. I mean, I, I, again, the premenopausal woman, she's protected in many cases. Now, obviously, you and I both know there is a lot of very, very, very sick premenopausal women, more so, you know, more than ever. But one serious factor of this is, again, if you're a, a, a menopausal woman, you and you're watching technology and you're on technology at night when it's dark out, when you be sleeping, you should be sleeping, you destroy melatonin. When you destroy melatonin, melatonin is the master hormone that controls all the other hormones. It controls all of your sex hormones, your cortisol, your thyroid, controls everything from that brain. And when in it comes to your eyeballs, the back of the eye called the retina, when artificial light comes into there at night, it destroys melatonin production and you're done. You're done. So sometimes the easiest solution to these postmenopausal symptoms, again, is just to go to sleep on time. It's just common sense type stuff. The, everything you're saying is generally, it's, everyone should be doing these practices, eat, live, eat well, remove things that don't belong there, sleep well, focus on your stress and, and management. And yeah, all these things are super important. But it seems as though there are women out there who are doing everything and, and it's possible they're missing something like mold toxicity or, you know, they're trying so hard, but yet they're still having their hot flashes or, or having miserable time. And then there's people who are drinking and smoking and seem to have no, no problem with their, their menopause experience is so varied. So I'm wondering then the, the risk of a heart attack, it seems what I, when I interview people, for example, on hormone therapy. They ramble off all the benefits, usually if they're pro, if they're anti, well, that's a different story. But if they're pro bioidentical hormones, they say it's cardioprotective and it's, it, it protects from osteoporosis and all this stuff. So I'm, I'm personally, I don't think you can out hack or outsmart uh, the body with hormones or hormone therapy. I think it's a great thing for, for, for some people, but I don't think you should ignore the eat well, live well, think well, things that you're, you're talking about, super important. But I think there is a place and, and time and place for bioidentical hormones. But I'm, I'm wondering how true is that in, as a cardiologist, is, are bioidentical hormones really that protective for the heart or maybe for the bones, the brain, all, all these things that we hear? Well, the, unfortunately, there's not a lot of data on the, on the female side, because there are just all these like different combinations that people could go through. And even if there was data that we thought was on a lot of people, we could all dissect that. And, you know, again, you know, one person could take one thing away from that and another would say something that's totally opposite. And you experienced that, you know, on your podcast, you know, there recently was a, uh, a publication in the New England Journal of Medicine about testosterone gel replacement for men with low T after a heart attack? Was it dangerous? Was it beneficial? And what the study found is that, you know, there were a couple signals that appeared to be problematic, but overall, there was no increased risk in replacing testosterone in men who have low T uh, and, and after a heart attack. But there also wasn't any benefit. There wasn't any significant benefit of that. I apologize for 
these birds chirping in the background. I am in the jungles of Costa Rica. So there is those, you know, again, there's there's no benefit. So I would tell people if, if you're having severe symptoms and you're right, like we said already numerous times at the end of eat well, live well, think well, test, don't guess, evidence-based supplements, other biohacking strategies. If you're doing all that foundational work, then there may be a time and a place for hormonal therapy, men or women. But it has to, I, I mean, it's not that it has to, but the best way to do it is upon that foundation. And that's where you're going to get the best results. So if you want the quickest fix, well, then, yeah, you're not going to care what you eat or how you live or whatever. You're just like, hey, just give me some kind of pill to make all the pain go away. But if you're looking for real longevity, if you're looking for real value, then, yeah, it's going to lie, you know, on that foundation. You know, for women, you know, we know, you know, that, uh, you know, certain conditions, uh, you know, high testosterone in women. Uh, can be postmenopausal can be problematic and can actually increase the risk of heart rhythm disorders, including atrial fibrillation, you know, heart attack risk. So I just feel like a lot of these women, it's just like they're seen and they're seen by a doctor that's just trying to make all dial in all these different things. And I just never see those women as really truly happy or or healthy mentally or physically. I just think that there's something wrong with that standardized approach, you know, to it. But I mean, listen, all these, the answer is to live like nature as much as possible. And I truly believe when you look at our ancestral population, these women who go through menopause and do so in a healthy fashion, when they're living their healthiest lifestyle, I'll just maintain that that's the answer. I mean, as, as my wife would go through menopause again, I, you know, I, I would certainly not, I'm not going to recommend any kind of hormone replacement to her. Now she does. She eats well, lives well, thinks well, tests don't guess, evidence-based supplements, you know, as needed. Because again, if there is deficiencies in magnesium, potassium, you know, omega-3s, these are all things that we can work on uh, first and foremost from a food standpoint. But, uh, you know, just to circle that back again, if someone's living in mold and they're mold toxic, which is frankly, everybody at this point until proven otherwise, you, even if you don't think you're living in mold, you have to prove it. I've heard so many people tell me, yeah, I'm not living in mold. My, my home's brand new, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's great. But you know what? Your life depends on us proving it. So I trust you, but uh, we need to make sure you're not. So there's at-home testing kits you know, that we have on our website. There's urine testing kits. We do the combination in both. Now, let me say this too, Zora. I mean, is that you know when people have uh, elevated inflammation, so if you take a postmenopausal woman with high levels of inflammation, she's much more likely to suffer the consequences of uh, you know, menopausal symptoms. But the issue is not hormone replacement. The issue is finding the cause of the inflammation, reversing it, and that's the strategy. This episode is sponsored by Oxford HealthSpan, the creators of my favorite supplement, Primadine. I admit it, I am a total supplement junkie, but if I had to choose only one, it would be this one. And it's because Primadine is spermidine. And this is shown to activate autophagy, which is super important. Now, this is a cellular cleanup and recycling process that declines as we age. So as we get older, our cells accumulate a lot of junk and waste, which isn't good for our cells, our health, nor our longevity. So we need to clean it up. And if you want the research on this, go to OxfordHealthSpan.com and you can see all of it, showing how spermidine supports our brain, our hormones, and our heart health. And another great side effect is stronger hair, skin, and nails, but also longer eyelashes. But 
you know, the real important reason why I love Primadine is because I have never, ever received as much feedback on a product I recommended as I have with Primadine. Literally every week, someone reaches out to me on Facebook or Instagram with an amazing testimonial. And most of the time, it's about improved sleep. And even some of you told me it's reversed a bit of your gray hair too. So I find that totally amazing. So I can honestly say with 100% certainty that Primadine is the best spermidine supplement you'll ever find. And you can try it with a 15% discount by using the code Zora, Z-O-R-A, on OxfordHealthSpan.com. Just be sure to get back to me with your results too. Now enjoy the show. I'm sort of leaning in the direction of wondering. So say the the biohacking community who who are who are listening to this too, women who are trying to optimize their health. And part of optimization is prevention. And the message that we're getting really is from pro-hormonal standpoint of view is even if everything's fine, you probably want to take these because it's cardioprotective. And I just wonder by how much, like if we're doing everything already to in terms of the the lifestyle and the diet, how much more, and I know you don't have any statistics on this, and I don't even know if there's studies that exist on that. It's like, should I really take that jump and start taking hormone therapy, even if everything's fine and I feel fine, but I want to protect my bones or I want to protect my heart. And I understand that having estrogen without the balance of progesterone actually increases your heart attack risk or risk of disease. So of course, this is a very it's an art between trying to get that that hormonal therapy down. But I, I just kind of wonder, like, is it worth it? By how much can I optimize if I'm already optimizing my health? And, and that's kind of what I'm I'm alluding to is what what really is the extra advantage? Kind of like when we try to optimize our, our health, like, are we gaining another four years of our lives? There's people who argue, you know what, I just want to live my life and do whatever I want to do. I don't care. An extra four years of life. Is it worth it? We don't know. Is it four years, seven years, 10 years? Is it quality of life versus just living? There's so many arguments here, but that's why I keep asking about what is, is it even worth us to want to optimize, even if we're feeling fine to just to have that cardioprotective benefit? When doctors try and play God in this arena, I think it's a, I think it's a mistake. I think it's a serious mistake, especially when we're talking about longevity and some of this kind of, I guess, I mean, I, I think I, I certainly believe that biohacking has a, a time and a place. But I think when you're when you're messing with the hormones from a, you know, hormones first uh, area, I think that's really where the problem uh, lies. And you mentioned before about the art and I talk about like tweaking the dials of of what we do with all these different hormones, we're really trying to outsmart nature. I mean, how can you outsmart uh, nature, our evolutionary history? Again, evolution, uh, God, spirit, uh, you know, creation. Uh, however we got here, we're built pretty perfectly and just give, it the, give us the tools that it needs. I mean, listen, do I make money um, uh, selling some of my products? You know, we got this new product called Wild Salmon Row, which is, uh, again, the, the cleanest, best food product in the entire world. I mean, you want to talk about a biohacking strategy? There's nothing better. There's no hormone, nothing like that, because it is the penultimate in food strategy. And when people, again, try and you know take something from a synthetic standpoint and advice from these doctors, these doctors, 
they make money. That's their career is to prescribe hormones. And that's where they've, you know, drawn their line in the sand. Like, this is what I do. So they'll look for any benefit of doing that. I don't. Uh, I don't. I, as I said, those things are okay at the end of the program, just like pharmaceuticals and surgeries are okay at the end of the line. But the beginning of the line is just giving the body what it needs, taking away what it what it doesn't. And as I said, again, I make money when people buy my wild salmon roe product. I make money when people, you know, talk to me in consultations. I'm not, I don't do this stuff for free. But a lot of these hormone people, they've been trained in hormonal therapy and they think that every woman post, you know, these people, every woman who's postmenopausal, they should be on hormone therapy. And I just think, wow, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty big leap without any real significant evidence uh, in, in, in large trials. That's, that's for sure. And it does, it just doesn't pass the common sense test. I mean, you're, when you go through menopause, you're not supposed to try and return that person to a premenopausal status. I mean, I guess we could extrapolate that and say, well, you know, let, let's try and dial your hormones back in. I know you're 72 years old, but let's dial your hormones up. And yeah, if you want to have a baby, let's do it. Like I'm out of that, I'm out of that mentality. Well, hopefully we're not trying to get babies again. <laughs> I, think, I, I think most women, yeah, want to just feel better and and lower their risk for whatever it is. The way I understand it from what I've learned, the the, the menopause society, the what is it, the uh the the North American Menopause Society and International Menopause Society or European, they all seem to agree that the uh, hormone therapy is protective for osteoporosis. It seems that that's out. We all understand that that's protective, but the the brain benefits, the, the heart benefits, I think the jury's still out on that. And that's where I'm trying to figure out. And maybe there's just not enough studies. And, and yeah, like you said, I, I really think that people need to dial in their diet and lifestyle before they even uh, consider or, or in conjunction, if they are doing that, I just don't think there's any quick fixes. And if there are, yeah, there's probably still a consequence. I know everyone would be looking for answers and stuff like that. You know, it's just, I really haven't heavily delved into the data, certainly to, you know, like some of these other doctors that come at it from a very positive uh, viewpoint. Oh, well, there's benefits for this and this and this and this. Uh, it's almost like, again, it just doesn't pass the sniff test to me. Like I'm not overly interested uh, in that personally. I just, I'm just much more of a natural person. If you're trying to tell me that there's a woman who's 53 years old and she's struggling with menopausal symptoms. And she lives in New York City and she follows a vegan diet and she uh, drinks alcohol and she stays up late and she is in the artificial light. And of course, she lives in New York. So for many months out of the year, she doesn't get much sunshine. And she, yeah, she goes to the gym, you know, a couple times a week. She has a trainer, but she's indoors in the artificial light with all the chemicals and she washes her clothing you know, with, uh, you know, tied, you know, pods, and she wears some kind of synthetic perfume and, you know, synthetic uh, shampoos and lotions. And yeah, you know, her, her, the condo that she lives in was built in, in 1967, and has been through many different owners and undoubtedly has water damage and therefore mold. Like, what are we talking about? Like that woman, that woman, we should put on some combination of uh, EP and T. No way. No way. We were asking for a disaster and we're doing that woman a tremendous disservice. If we can get that woman and say, hey, remember the movie with, uh, you know, Tom Hanks, it was called the movie. It was called Castaway and he winds up on the remote island 
here's the deal. The closer you get to living that island lifestyle, where you're going to sleep on time, you're getting sunshine, you're eating uh, uh, coconuts and seafood and avocados and, and seasonal fruits, and you're out of the chemicals, and you're out and you're active, and you're happy, and, and you're happy because of all that, and you have really healthy relationships that think well component. Again, that's the strategy. And when you take any perimenopausal woman and you put her on the island, Zora, I promise you that woman feels like a million bucks. And that woman lives until she's 120. There's no reason why she wouldn't. We're built for that. We're supposed to. So what does that woman in New York City do? What would you recommend her to do? Quit her job and go to an island? Or is there what, what, Give us a couple of strategies that she could use right now if there's somebody like that listening to to improve their their chances of having a happy, healthy hormonal or menopause experience. I mean, I mean, they're they're like that because they're you know there's four million of them living in New York City right now as we speak, right? And they're living in Chicago and they're living in Boston and they're living in uh, Dallas and Seattle and Portland and Minneapolis and blah 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 blah. I mean, like, and that's just in the United States, you know. Not to mention all these other you know countries, you know, where people are at. So, uh, what does that person do? That person moves. That person moves. The person, uh, if they if they really want to be healthy, you cannot get healthy in the same environment where you got sick. You pick up and you move. Well, I can't move. I got my family here, my jobs here, my friends are here. I like it here. I don't want to move. Well, then you better take a lot of vacations. If you're sitting and it's, uh, you know, you're in New York City, you're in, you're in Chicago, and it's January, and you've been inside for the last, you know, uh, three months, you're dead. You're dead. You're, you're in big, big, big trouble. You got to get out of that. Uh, then there's no, there's no solution around that. There's no ar artificial hormone that's going to make a difference in that scenario. It's just, and, and if they don't get that understanding, that answer, that, that blatant in your face attitude, they're not going to heal. So otherwise, okay, take a lot of vacations for every five to seven weeks, you're in the lousy climate, then you got to take five to seven days of vacation, southern Mexico, Costa Rica, South Caribbean, go to the Mediterranean, I don't care where you go, but you got to go somewhere. That's the penultimate strategy for that. So you can't, again, you can't outsmart Mother Nature, there's no evidence whatsoever at this time that we can. Maybe 100 years from now, maybe 500 years from now. I don't know. I, I don't know. But the reality is, again, is that you can't, you can't prescribe your way out of this. You got to go back to the basics. And uh, not only, I mean, it, it, that's just where you're going to achieve the best brain health, anti-cancer. Uh, you know, again, when you look at, you know, seafood eaters, like if you're a woman in New York and you're struggling with symptoms and someone's like, okay, well, here, here's two ways we could deal with it. We can give you more seafood or we could have you uh, take these hormones. I mean, it's our ancestors ate seafood, people with the highest levels of omega-3, lowest risk of everything, heart attack, dementia, uh, depression. So you get the seafood into your diet, sunshine, uh, sleep, uh, sex, you know, I mean, just having good sexual relationships. Very, 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 very important. So yeah, I mean, all those things are absolutely critical. Yeah, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. And the beauty of, I mean, how do you argue with those kind of strategies? How does it, well, no, actually it, studies show that if you actually replace the hormones, it's better than nature. That makes perfect sense. So let's start living as if we were on an island and make that environment in our own home, no matter where we are. So let's get to the cholesterol, because this is something that bothers a lot of women, because we'll our doctors are trying to get us under 200 for total cholesterol. We're worried, always trying to do many things. Should we be really worried about it? Because I just interviewed Dr. Diane Goodnow, and he said 
that optimal cholesterol to the, the lowest risk of all-cause mortality is between 220 and 250. Is that true? What are your thoughts on that? Well, my understanding of that data really comes from the Mr. Fit trial, which is the optimal cholesterol regarding mortality. Total cholesterol is actually between 160 and 260. That's, that's the sweet spot uh, of the total cholesterol story. But you know, when I talk about cholesterol, I mean, that's why I mentioned it chapter one of my book. Uh, it's called, chapter one is called Cholesterol is King, uh, or in the case of women, it's queen. It is very, very, very important for, uh, you know, for everything. So we're talking about all these hormones, they all come from cholesterol. Every cellular function has cholesterol involved in it. Uh, every animal species on planet Earth makes cholesterol. Uh, cow's milk has cholesterol, breast milk has cholesterol, eggs have a cholesterol, because that's how an egg comes to life. If I sell, you know, wild salmon roe, it's loaded with cholesterol. Again, that's, that, that's all beneficial. So vilifying cholesterol is clearly a problem. It is the construct of pharmaceutical companies. And uh, using synthetic ways to lower cholesterol down is a massive, massive mistake. If you're someone who's struggling with hormones, why wouldn't you want to optimize your cholesterol levels? And Zora, everybody has the perfect number for themselves. If they were walking around planet Earth, what would their, you know, uh, 5,000 years ago, what would their numbers be? Your numbers will be different than mine, than, you know, than the next person, you know, who's listening to this. Everyone's going to have different numbers. And it's about finding the perfect numbers for you. But the cholesterol story, I think, uh, is, is, very, very, very unimportant compared to the inflammation story. And if I had to look at one marker to tell me the health status of an individual person, it would be a marker of inflammation called HSCRP. Uh, any doctor can do it in any, any developed country uh, in the world will have that available to them, the high sensitivity uh, CRP. If your number's low, you're in good shape. If your number's high, you better figure out why because you're going to be in trouble. So you know, I mean, but, you know, to your point, you know, and I guess to the other doctor that you mentioned, yeah, I mean, there are people running around with levels of, of total cholesterol that are too low, for example, like, you know, 120, 130, 140, 150. And those people are at much higher risk of dying than those people that have better levels, you know, 160 to, uh, you know, 260. Uh, if I had the choice, I would rather have, uh, you know, higher side total cholesterol, I don't, which I don't really look at as an important measurement. But I would look at higher levels uh, as more beneficial than having too low. And let me wrap home that final point. The most important marker you're looking at regarding lipids uh, is really twofold, ApoB, ApoA ratio. So make sure you ask for those ratios from your doctor, ApoB, ApoA. And then also you want to know if you have a genetic marker called LP little a, which is a nasty cholesterol, um, or not cholesterol, but a nasty lipid particle. It's a type of LDL particle. It's very dangerous, probably had some value in uh, Paleolithic days, caveman ancestral days uh, regarding uh, preventing people from bleeding to death. There was some probably some benefits of hypercoagulability with that, but uh, it's not beneficial these days. People with high levels of LPA, higher risk of heart attack, stroke, and uh, atrial fibrillation, very interestingly. Okay, so if I got that right, if you are concerned about your cholesterol, probably better to go to an HHS CRP, which is the inflammatory marker. And if that's good and your cholesterol is somewhere around the 160 to, uh, to think you said two, 260 level, then you probably shouldn't worry too much about it unless there's probably other things going on in your life. But that's probably the first place to look rather than just the total cholesterol. Did I get that correct? Yeah, no, definitely. And again, like, I love doing lab testing. I think it serves, um, it, it, ser it serves many different values. But when you do lab testing, I find that it's very motivational for people when they see on paper that there is a problem, it can be very motivational, right? To uh, eat well, live well, and think well. 
when they look in the mirror, sometimes that's not even enough. Like they need, they need like added, you know, incentives, you know, to do so. But, you know, you, you can look in the mirror and say, okay, I look healthy. I feel healthy. I feel great. But if you're on fire on your paper based on testing, you better figure out why. Um, that's, uh, you know, that's what we do. But, you know, essentially, if you, if you know, if you know that you're eating well, living well, and thinking well, then again, the testing helps to confirm that you're on track because you may think you're eating well, living well, thinking well, and you may be, except for the fact you're being poisoned by mold. And that's leading to leaky gut, leads to immunodysfunction, inflammation, oxidative stress, and ultimately disease. So uh, there's a lot of people who felt and appeared totally healthy, and then one day they woke up not that way, or they woke up dead. So uh, we want to be proactive as far as checking the blood work to make sure you're on track. Hey, I'm butting in for a quick second. If you enjoy the content brought to you in this podcast, consider supporting Hack My Age by becoming a patron on patreon.com. This is where you can drop a tip or become a member for the price of a coffee. Members get special material, free coaching, and private Zoom calls. Join us by going to patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash hack my age. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the podcast. What is your favorite tests to somebody wants to look at their heart health? What, what tests would you recommend? Well, let me say this. I'm 100% anti-CT scan. So there's a lot of holistic practice, holistic, and I'll say that in quotes because this would identify them as not holistic, that recommends uh, coronary CT scans. I'm very against that. I'm very anti-radiation unless it's an emergency. If it's an emergency, obviously, you know, you're going to get a CT scan or whatever you need. But uh, the idea of doing a coronary CT or cor what's also known as a cor coronary calcium scan, problem. Uh, just do it all with blood, urine, saliva, stool. You know, there's some fantastic tests. You can also check things by ultrasound to, you know, to see kind of what your status is. But, um, you know, again, a lot of people come to see me because they've been told they've got coronary calcification. I'm happy to see them. I'm glad that they're there so I can help them. But the, the test is wrong and it should not be ordered. So if somebody has concerns about cardiovascular health, which they should, then they should do the most advanced testing in the world to see where, where things are at. I'm wondering then, then the general list, if you have one on your website, let us know, but it would be a total cholesterol panel plus, plus the HSCRP. That's a good place to start. You mentioned the APOE and the APOB. I'm guessing we should test that ratio as well. Is there, is there a place on your website or, or do people just contact you if you want that list? Well, yeah, I, I mean, let me say this. So um, you're welcome to come to our website at naturalheartdoctor.com. And I suggest anybody look at what's called level two testing. Level two testing is three blood and three urine-based tests. And then there is the most advanced cardiovascular analysis with all the markers that you need there. Intracellular vitamins and minerals are in there, including CoQ10, glutathione, omega-3s, you know, just very detailed information that you need. The wheat zoomer analysis, which looks for leaky gut, leaky gut leads to leaky heart, leads to leaky brain, leads to leaky uh, female parts, you know, I mean, so, and when I say they leak, I mean, it's just because the, the tissues and the cells don't function normally. And then we look at uh, three urine toxin tests, metals, over 30 different molds and over 40 different environmental toxins, including parabens, pesticides, phthalates, uh, you know, plastics. I mean, Zora, let's think about this. We know that the, these, these environmental toxins are all hormonal disruptors. We know that mold mycotoxins in the literature are hormonal disruptors. So why wouldn't we look to fix our exposure from those and to detox from those as opposed to just saying, let's just put you on hormones. 
that it just doesn't make any sense. If someone is loaded with plastic, that's what they need to do. They got to remove it. That's why there's really no good evidence that the Band-Aid approach with bioidentical hormones really has any benefit because we're not getting after the cause of the perimenopausal symptoms. And for the 20th time, the cause is from the violations of eat well, live well, think well. Women were born to be healthy. We are all designed to be healthy until the man-made poisons mess things up. So those are the six tests. Anybody can go to my website, level two testing, go look at it. You can order it through me. You can take it to your local practitioner and say, I want these things. Most of the time, insurance has coverage for none of these different things. So yeah, that's, that's what our strategy is. Oh, I'll have a link to that in the show notes because that's quite important. I'm wondering back to the APOA and the APOB ratio. I'm assuming your op, you have an optimal range that may be different from if somebody just got that test and went to their doctor. Is it okay to see just a normal range or do they need to know of an optimal range? To, to have the tests interpreted by someone who really knows medicine and health, uh, I think is of value because even the company produces information that a lot of times is based on, uh, you know, pharmaceutical companies say. So even, you know, a lab testing company that is very in-depth, they still are under the jurisdiction of the the FDA. So they'll have all these, you know, know, your total cholesterol come back at 220 and it'll be in red. It'll be in this big red box. And on that paperwork, it'll say, make sure to ask your doctor about statins. I mean, that's just what these companies have to do. You have to be under the care of a practitioner who knows how to interpret the data, and Zora really define the optimal levels for each individual person. That's really the key, because what is necessary and optimal for you may be different for me, also kind of based on what your condition is. So, uh, for example, if somebody has normal blood pressure and their intracellular magnesium is 5.0, I may say, okay, they're fine. You know, they're not having any symptoms their blood pressure is good. We'll leave their, we don't have to supplement with magnesium, but if they have high blood pressure, they've got atrial fibrillation, other heart rhythm problems, whatever issues it may be, well, maybe their optimal magnesium intracellular is not five, maybe it's six, you know? So that's really like the nuance of the, of, of those of us that are skilled in that particular, you know, arena, you know, come in, but yeah, I mean, it's it just kind of, you know, circling back to what I think so many women are just getting just the wrong impression on is that there's no easy answer to this. You may think, oh, wait a second, I can't do all that. I'm not, I'm not moving to, you know, Costa Rica. Uh, I'm not, I'm not quitting my job. I'm not leaving my family. I love New York, the social life in New York. And I go to the, you know, the shows and the opera and the theater and blah, blah, blah. You know, I do all this stuff. Okay. You're in trouble. You, you better enjoy those for what they can, because it's not going to last long. If you think the, you know, the easier approach is better. Oh, just take these, you know, hormones and get this injection and, you know, and rub on this cream. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. It'd be nice if it was that easy. Everybody would, I mean, what I love, I would love to take, you know, take a capsule, uh, you know, like all of a sudden my hair grows back and now it's, you know, dark and curly again, you know, and I'm 52 and I was just out surfing this morning with my 16 year old son. We both learned surfing around the same time. He's just a better surfer. He's 16. He's in, he's just in, he's just in the you know prime of his life. Uh, I would love to have that found a youth capsule. I don't. Uh, all I can really do is say, okay, well, I'm, you know, doing the best that I can. I'm giving my body what it needs, taking away what it doesn't. So, I'm, you know, doesn't, I'm probably at the, at, uh, you know, higher end of 50, you know, performance, you know, regarding 52 year olds. And, 
you know, I'm really not concerned about other people as, as measurement against them. It's measurement against me. I, I either perform optimally or I don't. And I think you you give your body the best chance when you you know do the right things. There are women who have, say, normal blood ranges or urine tests. Their tests show they're normal, but they actually feel bad. They have symptoms. And then there's the women who feel fine, no symptoms, but they're their markers, their biomarkers are, are, are not optimal or they're not even normal. Are you the kind of doctor that treats the symptoms or the data? Now, I think you have to treat uh, both, if you will. So, you know, clearly the person who's having symptoms, they're struggling, you better find the cause. And again, um, you know, for the women, it, it's, it's not always hormonal. And again, if their hormones are off, we have to figure out why. Is it the mold? Is it the plastic? Is it the parabens? Is it the phthalates? Is it uh, from other environmental toxins? Is it from mold? Is it from EMF? I'm sorry, not mold. Um, is it from metals? I already said mold. I didn't want to say it twice, although it does deserve double attention. I know you understand uh, that I keep talking about it. It's a double attention. That's just on my mind. Uh, EMF, right? You know, women that are under, you know, power lines or smart meters or uh, on, on their tech or sleeping with their tech or, uh, you know, people using their, their iWatch, you know, or, you know, the Aura Ring and all this, all this technology that people wear. You have to figure out why you feel like crap. And the, it may not always be borne out in the, certainly in the routine blood work, but I think as you go deeper and deeper and deeper with more in-depth blood testing, you'll find. Now to the other person who feels great, but on paper they're not, they better find out why, because at some point they will not feel great. At some point, the, the cup of poison will overflow and they will have symptoms. And I don't want to say like it's too late. I certainly believe anybody can can recover. And I know there's so many women who are struggling out there and everything has a cause or causes and as much as you can find your island. And a lot of what we talk about too, Zora, over at uh, Natural Heart Doctors that, you know, is the think well component, which again, is just as important as any other component that we're talking about. And it's that, you know, sense of purpose, uh, which is so critical. You know, why are you here? What, why do you exist? What are you here to do? Self-acceptance for who you are now, who you've been in the past, and who you're going to be in the future. The idea of the spirituality, the idea of finding your community, finding your tribe. If you don't uh, resonate with your current tribe and your current community, find a different one. Very, very, very important. Bless the people who were part of your life previously. I lost all my old cardiology buddies and all my old medical buddies, but I have a new tribe. I have a new tribe of people. And that's, uh, and I blessed all the memories. Hey, listen, you know, yeah, I remember that time, you know, we went down to Mardi Gras and that time we went to Europe and that time we, yes, uh, those are all fantastic memories. And I bless and I cherish those memories, but they're not part of my present and they're certainly not part of my future. And then also that sense of security. If you don't feel secure, in your, in your home, in your relationships, in your job, uh, financial security. Again, all this stuff is a lot easier said than done. Everything, right? Everything about eat well, live well, think well is a lot easier said than done. You have to do the work, but that's the answer. But that's the answer. And the more you do of that answer, that's the strategy. And as far as I can tell, in no time soon, Will that ever be improved upon or bypassed or made unnecessary by a prescription pad? You answered my next question into explaining what is think well. <laughs> you have eat well, yeah, live well, which I get. And the think well, people ask me about that too. So I think you answered that pretty well. So I don't need to ask that question anymore. 
Well, I mean, you know, but I mean, I do like, I mean, but, you know, just kind of putting it into um, into context, you know, as well with some of those things, because, you I mean, listen, I'm a left brain doctor. This, these are all newer concepts to me that I never thought about myself as needing to think well. But a lot of people, a lot of people do. A lot of people have uh, serious, serious, serious uh, trauma that they carry with them. And that has to be uh, worked through. And there's a gazillion different techniques and there's a lot of different practitioners, but find one and work with one. And when you are, you know, stressed, anxious, um, uh, you know, fear, worry, uh, isolated, markedly increases your risk of cardiovascular disease. So that's why it's so important to me to help people kind of understand that. I personally am working on guiding people where to go. I mean, so when you're feeling stressed out, you know, I mean, I, I'm running this online program right now on palpitations. And it was really just a phenomenal uh, episode that I did that was Think Well. And one of my Think Well concepts is to listen to music. Like if you're, I mean, Zora, you experience this, everybody does. You're in like a bad mood and all of a sudden your favorite song comes on. Well, remember to play your favorite song or songs. I mean, me personally, I mean, again, my favorite song of all time is Don't Stop Believing by Journey. We named our third child, our, our, our daughter, our first daughter, Journey. I'll, I mean, again, like if I'm in a bad mood or whatever, I'm arguing with so-and-so or something happened, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden, like, you know, journey comes on, uh, you know, I'll do that. My wife, my wife grew up loving the Doobie Brothers, which is this band from the 70s. If she's in a bad mood, I'll throw on a Doobie Brothers song. And all of a sudden, like, it just kind of comes down a little bit. You know, it, 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 like the Rocky theme song. Again, I'm a childhood of, of a, a, a child of that generation. You know, 1970s and the Rocky inspirational theme song. So I love doing that, listening to music. The other thing, too, is like just like going outside. Just get outside. Get outside and go for a walk. You know, you don't have to do any kind of in-depth soul searching. or right? Just getting outside, physical activity. And there's different breathing techniques. You know, I love this alternate nostril breathing, you know. Inhale through one nostril, exhale through the next. Yes. And then vice versa. We've done it in yoga, <laughs> right? So, sim so simple, so free. You don't have to go to some yoga studio. You're just sitting there doing that. And it engages the parasympathetic nervous system. It starts to calm everything down. Uh, if I'm in a, if I'm in a bad, you know, if, again, if I'm like a stress ball, I go to the chiropractor, go get adjusted. I walk out of there, feel great. Uh, massage, massaging yourself, massa massaging your loved one, having your um, loved one massage you. Oxytocin. That's a great thing as well, too. Uh, oxytocin. Again, like this is not like my specialty. I just, I, I, you know, by any means, I just know that, yeah, you know, you get a massage from your significant other, in my case, you know, my spouse or vice versa, like it just chills you out and it leads to other healthy activities. It's a fun thing. It's a fun thing. And it's so, so beneficial uh, uh, for, for all of us. So, yeah. There's so many things I want to unpack there and comment on. And a couple of things I will before we wrap up and let you go. I'm a gerontologist. So we studied the, the mind-body connection. And I was very surprised because I went to USC and this is a research-based university and mind-body connection. Hmm. And so we studied uh, how the stress affects our physical health. And I was so surprised. It was the first time I heard uh, that stress really can affect the arthro atherosclerotic buildup in, in our blood vessels. And I asked the teacher, I said, well, okay, imagine you have a perfect diet, perfect lifestyle, perfect. You're running the treadmill or whatever it is, you're eating broccoli, but you're stressed. Will that still cause this calcium buildup? And he told me, yes. 
I was shocked. So th- that just says stress is very important. And and when and we also studied music and the impact of music on the physiology. And absolutely, I'm 100% agree with you that music, we never think about that. Yeah, put on your favorite tune, the brain lights up like there's no tomorrow. So it's really great for your brain as well. And the last thing, I'm wondering if you heard about the Harvard study of adult development. This is the longest, well, one of the longest longitudinal studies on, on, on adults. It started in 19, I think it's 38, more or less, by Harvard students. And they looked at these people up until today. And there's a sort of second generation. And they looked at everything from their, their biomarkers and their blood work and their asked questionnaires. And then eventually when technology came with their genes and MRIs, et cetera, et cetera. And they looked at all the things that affect people aging and, and when they die and, and what happens to them, how do we live longer, better? And they looked at, of course, smoking and, and diet exercise and all these things. And what they concluded was that the most important factor for living healthier and happier were good, strong, solid relationships, positive relationships. And you alluded to that as well, how important it is to have these good relationships. And that's part of the the thinking. So I really want to reinforce what you just said and how important that is, because we're always looking for the perfect diet and the supplements and all that. But actually, I think that's a really, really important uh, thing to consider in your life and have have work on those relationships, those positive relationships, just like you said, get rid of those who are no longer serving you, find your tribe, etc. So well done. Thank you for mentioning that. Well, let me, let me just you know, real quick again, as far as like the mechanism of how stress does that. So the autonomic nervous system controls our entire body. That's the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems that stem from the brain. This is just a basic uh, neuroanatomy that was discovered, you know, uh, 2,500 years ago and, and diagrammed really well by Leonardo da Vinci, you know, for example. So uh, the the autonomic nervous system, that sympathetic uh, you know, system, of course, is the fight or flight. And parasympathetic is the rest, digest, you know, procreate. Really, it's just a time for cleansing of the system and in healing of the system from those times of stress. Well, if you are in fight or flight, if you're in constant stress and worry and fear, anxiety, you know, on and on and on, your body is always, you know, it's always, it, it, let me say this, it's not spending time to clear itself and clean itself and cleanse itself because those are not deemed important tasks when you're just trying to survive. When you're running away from a tiger, your digestion is not of importance. Your healing of your liver and the cleansing of and dealing with environmental toxins is not important. You're in pure survival mode. And I think that's a major factor. So what happens is, of course, again, if you're not having that cellular maintenance and that cellular cleansing and healing time, because you're always running away from the tiger, then you're right. No matter what you eat and no matter how you live, you can't, you can't do any better than that. And sometimes, right, there's, I think that's the problem with overtraining, right? Where people are like, oh, I exercise, you know, three hours a day, you know, uh, eight days a week and yada, yada. And it's like, well, again, you're putting your body into that sympathetic overdrive. There's no time for the healing process to take place. And when your body doesn't heal, that's how you develop coronary artery disease and brain disease and heart fibrosis and, and hypertension and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I think that 
you know, because there's so much debate about the food side. And you and I talked about this on the episode, right? You know, should I go vegan, vegetarian, paleo, keto, carnivore? What should I do? And, and my approach on that is, I mean, again, I'm, I'm the paleo guy eating like our ancestors did, hunter-gather ancestors. To me, there's no debate. It's just, it just is. It's like, you know, we, we need to breathe uh, air and, and we need to... Uh, you know, drink water and we need to eat paleo foods, you know, and we need to sleep. I mean, like these are the things that we need to do. But no matter what you do, make sure it's organic. Keep the chemicals out of your food. We all need to agree on that. But again, the food story is just a small component of everything. There's so many other facets that people need to focus on. Your book is so detailed in all of these things. And I highly encourage people to go read the, the paleo cardiologist. My last question is really, you've helped so many people. You've had probably people come from all walks of life and you have a protocol and when we've all anyone who's trying to help somebody we we have some who have great success some who don't and whatever for whatever reason why and i'm wondering how strictly what does someone need to follow your the guidelines in the book or your protocol if they see you to feel well or lower the risk of heart attack, whatever it is. I mean, is there an 80-20 approach? Do they have to go 100%? What happens to those people who haven't quite succeeded? What what have they, where have they gone wrong? These kinds of questions I have. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the 80-20 rule in general, because obviously I hear that all the time. Like 80% of the time I eat healthy, 20% of the time I don't, or, you know, it's, uh, it's just not good enough. I, I don't like to give people that leeway. I don't like to give them a little bit of slack. People don't pay me a lot of money to see me just to kind of pat them on the ba- on the back and say, you're doing good. I, one, one of my best friends in the entire world from growing up, he says, uh, you know, if I get on his case, he's like, Jack, I'm doing better than 90% of the guys we went to high school with. And I'm like, I don't care about the 90% of the guys. I'm talking about you. Uh, and you need to focus on 100% of you. That's what you need to do. But I guess to answer your question, the more you do, the better you're going to get. If your goal is to run a five-minute mile, the more you practice in a whole variety of ways, the more likely you are to get there. Now, the more you practice, the more you'll have a better time. But if you want to achieve that goal, it takes the full commitment in order to do so. And uh, it's, I, I, again, I, it, it's not for me that people do it. It's for themselves. So whatever, whatever they feel they want to do, uh, it's up to them. It's kind of like if we're talking to the 80-year-old woman who smokes and we're like, oh, you know, it's Jack and Zora here. And, uh, you know, you really should quit smoking. It's bad for you. And they're like, I, I've known it's bad. I've known smoking's bad for 50 years. I don't care. I like doing it. And I know it's going to kill me. I know it, you know, I'll have, have cancer and emphysema and blah, blah, blah. But it, I mean, this is my choice. But I think the problem is that so many people are running around and they were never told the information. They were never, you know, they went to go see their doctor and their cholesterol was high and the doctor gave them a prescription, but they were never talked to about nutrition and lifestyle and thought processes and really advanced testing or evidence-based supplements or biohacking strategies. Or, you know, in the case of these postmenopausal women, they went to the doctor, they felt lousy, the doctor gave them Prozac and um, you know, Wellbutrin or what, whatever other, you know, slurry of pharmaceuticals and maybe, you know, plus or minus hormone therapy like they did, but they never... They never got the memo about these are the foods to eat, not eat, on and on and on. And uh, it's it's sad that people are suffering from that. But the more you follow the plan, the longer and better you're going to live. And it's just common sense. It's just common sense. 
Thank you so much. You have really answered a lot of my questions and I know I always have more. So I hope to have you on again. Would love to direct people to find you. You're on all kinds of social media, Facebook and TikTok, Instagram. It's the Natural Heart Doctor. I'll have links to all of this in the show notes and your website, naturalheartdoctor.com. I want to have a link to the level two testing. And is there anywhere else, anything else I'd be, I should share or they should know about uh, where to find you? or what you have. Yeah, well, uh, let me say this too, is that if you're interested in level two testing and you use the code Zora, Z-O-R-A, I'll give you 10% off of your testing on that too. So just uh, again, for listening to this podcast, making it all the way to this point, although again, you can put in the show notes or whatever you want to do. If you're a listener of Zora, I'll make sure that you get this. If you're interested in my book, uh, you can get it for free. All you do is pay shipping, freeheartbook.com, freeheartbook.com. The book was written and published in 2015 by Morgan James Publishing. And the uh, the rules in there are absolutely timeless. The only thing that I was kind of like down on at that point was was coffee. But I said, if you drink coffee, make sure it's organic. Uh, now, again, I'm, I'm a lot more pro coffee because I really wanted to find the literature that supports the use of it because I've been drinking coffee since I was 10. Garbage coffee. Now I drink the good stuff. My product's called Cardiology Coffee. Uh, 5% of all of the proceeds, not, not profits, but proceeds, all sales, goes to an organization called Friends of Honduran Children. And what that organization is doing, because the coffee comes from a, a, women, a women's co-op uh, from Honduras, um, is, is giving back to the children of that community, helps them build shelter and organic food processes. We're not sending down prescription drugs and, and shots or anything like that to these children. We're, we're teaching them healthy living practices so they can you know, move forward with the best success in their lives. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Question about the, the testing, the people want to order that or... I saw just this morning your newsletter that had a supplement called just a sardine or something where you can get all your omegas in there. You mentioned the salmon raw. I'm so excited to try some of these products, but I'm wondering, do you ship outside of North America? And if there are any issues with that, because I know a lot of our listeners are, are not based there too. Yeah, I, it's pretty hard to ship outside of US and Canada just because of things that happen with customs and stuff like that. And, you know, one thing about, uh, you know, three of our products are are 100% food based. So Kickstart My Heart is American grass fed, grass finished bison liver and heart. Um, I would really hate for that product to get caught up somewhere in customs. And it doesn't get to the person who needs it because an animal died for for that. And we need to honor and cherish those animals. So, you know, it's one thing if you lose like a synthetic multivitamin, who cares about that? But if you, again, like losing an animal product and even for the fish, like a wild, uh, you know, salmon was was harvested. And the company we use called Lummy Island Seafood, very, very, very clean waters in the Pacific Northwest of the United States. Uh, and we've third party tested this, you know, for contaminants, and it's a super clean product, including no plastics, of which a lot of people are concerned about microplastics, and appropriately so. Yeah. So again, I mean, like that that fish was sacrificed to get the row, and then the whole fish is the entire sardine, uh, which is is uh, is is processed, freeze dried, milled, and encapsulated. So everything that was in that fish is now in the capsule, uh, brains, eyeballs, liver, the whole thing was in there, and it's just a crazy nutrient-dense food. If you love to eat the seafood, eat the seafood. I'm not telling you to swallow capsules instead of seafood. But for those maybe who can't get access to this, maybe they don't want to eat seafood, or even if they want to take a little bit of seafood on a daily basis, it's uh, it's great for that. And again, it's 100% food, no fillers, 
uh, no uh, flow agents. It's just uh, food. And uh, it's just everything in the wild salmon roe and the whole fish uh, minus the water. That's what it is. Oh, I love sardines. I am a huge fan. So I'll keep eating that. But I do know a lot of people when I mention that they go, oh, gross. So that that supplement sounds right up their alley. So what I would recommend anyone who's not in North America is try to find somebody who will bring it to you in your suitcase. And and maybe one day, hopefully we won't have these issues, or maybe uh, maybe you'll have a European or Asian distributor one day, <laughs> Dr. Wolfson. Um, we'll hope to have that. So I will direct people to your website. I'm super excited to try this stuff myself. Before I let you go, are there any last words for a woman going through menopause? You know, just uh, don't try and take the easy way out. It's not going to work. It's just not. I I wish I could tell you that it it would, but there is just a better way. And and it's fun and it's empowering, uh, you know, to do so. And think again about this, this change of life that you're going through, that you are now the old wise woman of the tribe. You are a respected elder in the community, which is better than not being an elder in the community, if you know what I mean. So be that respected elder, be that person who, again, who ages gracefully, you know, and I, I mean, again, I, do I think there's a time and a place for some of the aesthetic type things? I, I guess so. But just remember, there's no free ride here. Every one of those aesthetic things that you get, whether it's a woman, a young woman who gets breast implants, you know, an, an older woman who gets fillers and things like that, you know, it's it's not natural. It's never healthy. Oftentimes, it's going to lead to problems. And there's nothing the matter with, with aging gracefully per nature. Just remember that. You know, beauties within all those kind of, you know, cliche terminologies, you know, that people use. And uh, yeah, just remember that. Thank you. Wonderful words. And uh, I hope to see you again. I hope to see you in Costa Rica one day. And, uh, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Zora. Hey, did you enjoy the podcast? Don't forget to subscribe to be notified of all the new episodes and leave a review to help build the tribe. It's a small act of kindness that brings me big benefits and helps others find this amazing content. The best thing you can do is share. Sharing is caring. Statements made on this podcast have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Anything we say or products we mention are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for personal medical advice and not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from the personal research and experience of me and my guests.